Uh, hashtag J- SAFMJSB or at MishConstant. He's uh, an active participant on social media. He's also a South African expat who works in Manchester. The mad Manchester in the UK, Dr. Sankra Rosani, is on the line right now. Dr. Rosani, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Michelle. Thank you for having me and good morning to your listeners. I always find it a delight to follow you on Twitter because I feel like whilst you may be in Manchester and having an outside lens, you certainly do focus so much on what's going on here. Is that... uh, is that a pining, a homesickness, a heart sickness? <laughs> <laughs> no, Michelle, home is home. So you always need to know what's going on. But the focus is always on whatever is happening anyway. Yeah. So I always like to keep abreast with the goings on, as you might put it. But home is home, so I cannot be interested in what's going yeah, on at home. Exactly. Dr. Rosani, you were... Uh, have um are obviously in the uk at the moment and i'd love to hear from you describe where we're at in in the uk currently with regards to vaccines i know that there has been a concern that the numbers are rising again talk to us about that now the vaccine rollout started in december yeah and mainly in the care homes and then frontline staff and there was a target set which was July. But what I liked about what Boris Johnson did, he made sure that whatever vaccine is available and registered, he's going to put it in the pot. So he had three going at the same time. And he's also added J&J, but it's not been put in yet because of all the things that have been happening in Baltimore. But he is working on four vaccines. Now, what that does, it gives you an opportunity as a leader to be able to start your rollout properly, effectively, and be able to reach as many people. But you are also able to respond yeah. to whatever problem one vaccine will encounter. As you know, there were issues with AstraZeneca, but what they did, they were able to assess it and say, we're going to give it to this age group. We won't give it to this age group. For this age group, we're going to give this one. Yeah. And the other important thing was starting with age and then comorbidities. That's very important, Michelle. Very yeah. important. Because when we say people must take up the vaccine, it is to protect from severities and death. And the people who are likely to fall in that category are people with comorbidities. So, so here... The focus, sorry, has been on age coming down in descending order, but people with comorbidities and all. But the difference is that here the government can find them. So you cannot just say I've got comorbidities. No, the government knows who you are and where you are. So that's it's brilliant that you raise that because we have got a question here from Jeff saying, please explain what comorbidities are. So you, you're, you're on track with uh, the way we're all thinking is what does it okay. mean? What is a comorbidity? And for example, you can be 30 and have a comorbidity. And, and the question I suppose that Jeff is, is wanting to know is, does the person who is 30 with a comorbidity have to wait all the way until the 30-somethings get vaccinated, or should they rather be going to the top of the line? Unfortunately, in South Africa, they have to wait 
Yeah. Or if they are in a category where Michelle Constant falls in, that is journalism, then their body can lobby, which has happened, but yeah. they will have to wait. Now, okay. comorbidities are conditions that you are living with. Yeah. And there's a whole array of... And, and if, if you look at, at when, when COVID started, we were saying that it affects people with comorbidities and the comorbidities were diabetes, yeah. high blood pressure, heart problems, and then obesity came into the picture as well. Yeah. So those are conditions that you have as a, as, as a human being, other medical conditions. And now those usually predispose you to complications and other illnesses. Yeah. So, Dr. Rosani, I mean, I'm interested in the idea that um, that even um, obesity was brought in as a comorbidity. How would the the um, the virus in, infect that uh, in, infect someone so quickly who who does have an obesity? It's uh, we, we keep saying this, Michelle. This is a new disease. Yeah. So we are learning as we go. But when they were looking at the data, I think the data here was analyzed in Liverpool. When they were looking at it, they were finding that the m- more people who were having severe disease from COVID were people with a high BMI. Yeah. Body mass index. Yeah. Obesity, the, the obesity part of it. But diabetes also fell into that as well. Yeah. So it was just looking at it, which is why obesity came into the picture. It was looking at the at the number of people that were in hospital needing a ventilator and dying. And then obesity came at the top. So uh, I have to tell you, we've got a, a question here from Makatini, who has a fantastic um, image of Wallace Oyinka, actually, on his WhatsApp group um, or WhatsApp <laughs> image, saying, Hi, Michelle, what age group is J&J suitable to use for age 30 to 40, or J&J, is it suitable for older? Now, at the moment, J&J is the vaccine of choice in South Africa. Okay. So it is not being looked at in terms of age. Yeah, it is being rolled out. That's that's what South Africa went with, and that's the bulk of the stock. Before Baltimore happened, the bulk of bulk of the stock was J and J. Yeah. So the idea then would be what's, be ba- what's, ba- what's Baltimore? <laughs> okay, sorry. Now you're a doctor. You see, <laughs> speak to us in layman's terms. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. No, it's Baltimore fine. In America. Oh, Baltimore. Oh. The factory <laughs> that was doing Pfizer and the, Pfizer. The, the, the the manufacture for the ingredients for J and J. Ah, there was okay. a contamination there between the ingredients of AstraZeneca. Yes, that's and right. J and J. Yeah, and then that meant that sixty million doses had to be done away with. Yes, that's right. And South Africa, I think, had thirty of those. Yeah. Okay. So before yeah. that happened. That, that stock was going to come into South Africa and would have been rolled out to the majority of the population. So there was, there was no age, sorry, mm. specific recipients of that vaccine. You know, I've, it's so interesting because one does raise the question, and the question's been raised all over South Africa, and I'm sure it gets raised uh, in other countries, and I know in Australia there's a huge resistance to AstraZeneca. Um, but the the question is, one has to absolutely trust that the vaccine that's coming your way, as you say, was not 
uh, inappropriately mixed in Baltimore, but that what you're getting is is right and is is going to work. Yes. Now, AstraZeneca, I am not sure whether it was a, a, a organized campaign or whatever, but they really did get bad press, as you say. Yeah. But with the blood clot, yeah. the numbers were very low. Yeah. Fine, you don't want to have the blood clot. You don't want to die from the blood clot. But if you extrapolate that and you move it to the other medications that are in circulation, for example, the oral contraceptive pill, you'll find that the incidence of clots are much higher there yeah. than with AstraZeneca. But if you flip it and say AstraZeneca vaccine, if it's the only vaccine that's available, it is going to prevent severe disease and death. Yeah. But for a small proportion of people, it might cause a clot. Yeah. To me, it becomes a no-brainer. You almost have to measure and it up. Chances of catching COVID and possibly dying from COVID. Weighing or... the risk, exactly, risk and benefit, yes. Yeah. But now we go back to Prof. Mahdi down there. When the, Delta, the, the beta variant situation occurred, yeah. Prof. Mahdi said, yes, I can see the figures, but we are looking at preventing severe disease and death. So let's use the doses that we've got. Yeah. And the decision was taken, no, we shouldn't. Now we fast forward to June 2021. Yeah. We've got a Delta variant, and the studies done in the UK have shown that Pfizer and AstraZeneca are quite effective, sorry, yeah. with the Delta variant. Yeah, okay. So, which is why I, I started by saying when Boris Johnson procured, he procured from different manufacturers. Mm. You can then be able to maneuver according to the information that is coming when you've got options. Yeah. Well, certainly uh, the continent of Africa doesn't have as many options as uh, the rest of the world. I have a question for you here, Dr. Razani. Uh, morning, I'm currently self-isolated with COVID. I'm 70. How will I know what um, when I'm starting to get better? I haven't been able to eat at all liquids only as my throat and stomach are constantly on fire amongst my other pains. What should I look for as the start of my recovery? Thanks. Now, that is an interesting question because it's usually the opposite. Yeah. Because your recovery you will feel because you are getting better. We usually look out for you deteriorate. Oh. So if, if if you are eating, your appetite is coming back, yeah. your energy levels are coming back, you will get fit. But I'd like to answer this question the opposite way. Yeah. Because if you're 70 and isolating, the important thing, so, so that there's a benefit for other listeners as well. If you're 70 and isolating, first thing is you should be in contact with your doctor. That's crucial. Yes. Because someone's got to be able to monitor you. And the important thing that we're looking out for is shortness of breath, chest pain, and the, that progression. So it is important that you know what your oxygen saturation is. Yeah. So if you've been diagnosed, you've got symptoms, uh, sorry, and, the, and your temperature as well. So you need to monitor your temperature, monitor your oxygen saturation. And if the oxygen saturation gets to 92 you are in constant contact with your doctor already. Yeah. He will tell you what to do at 92. But now the problem with South Africa is there is bed capacity problems. So 
people with oxygen saturations where they're supposed to be presenting to a hospital facility have no space because the hospitals are dealing with severe people, which then exacerbates the problem because the severity of the disease, if people are already in hospital, they're needing ventilators, their, their chances of survival are on the lower side. But if you get admitted at 92 and you get monitored and you get given oxygen, your responses are looked into, your chances of survival are better. But now you can get in. Okay, so, so I understand that flipped it. But when you are, you will know that you're getting better because your, your symptoms are going to improve. Yeah, so if your symptoms are but not improving, then you should be that's the, connecting that, that with your doctor right. again. But you should be in contact with it because see, the way it happens here, because I, I, I think after our last conversation, I also had COVID, but I was asymptomatic. Yeah. It was just a routine pickup because we had an outbreak at work. But I called because I've got to have a GP, even though I'm a doctor. I called my GP and I told him, and it was just so that he is aware. Yeah. And he didn't prescribe anything. There's no COVID script. I just isolated at home and monitored myself because I I know what to look out for. But you have to be in contact with your doctor so that he knows exactly what's going on. Because the important thing here is to pick up deterioration as soon as possible. Last question for you very briefly. Please ask your guest for how long after symptoms of COVID have disappeared is the disease no longer transmissible? At what point do you, are you no longer transmissible? Now, again, this is a new disease, as, as, as we've been saying. So we're learning every day. Initially, if you remember, there was a lot of controversy about you need a negative test before you can go in. Yeah. Go, go back to work, sorry. We isolate for 10 days. And then if you've been asymptomatic, you can then get back into situation. But your COVID test positive for 90 days wow. after your infection. But as the question is saying, we have been told biologists that now you are shedding dead virus. Okay. So you are not transmitting. That's what we've been told. But your test can be positive for up to 90 days. Sure. Dr. Sankar Rosani, thank you so much for joining us and uh, taking a different angle, uh, taking us all the way to the UK to hear a different angle as well. And don't forget, uh, next week we'll have someone else to answer all our questions. We're going to go quickly into our last story. We wanted to finish off the hour on something uplifting. Now, an 82-year-old woman trained to be an astronaut 60 years ago. Her name is Wally Funk.